0: Continue this series on suffering as a Christian, and in the series thus far, we've seen very clearly that scripture is very plain about the fact that as believers we are called to suffer in this life. And so, what we want to do in uh, this next section uh, of the series is we want to discuss what it is that the Christian is actually called to suffer. Because although we've established very clearly that we are called to suffer. Um, what is not always very clearly taught in the church as to the type of suffering that she actually is called to suffer and so we need to be very clear on the issue otherwise our christian walk can become a bit confusing when things occur in our lives so what we will see as we go through this uh, section is that even though the church is called to suffer we will see very clear evidence as to what type of suffering the, the church is called to suffer for our lord jesus Um, the will of man still reigns supreme in the earth. So what does that mean? Well, it means that our Lord Jesus Christ, although he has ordained that uh, we do suffer uh, for his sake, on his behalf, he will not force suffering upon the believer. And so it is up to the believer as to whether they are prepared to partake of the Lord's sufferings or not. And so the Christian chooses, no, this is not for me. Well, then the Lord does uh, you know, hold, pull back from allowing that believer to incur that type of suffering. Because, as I say, it is really... And we'll get into, you'll understand what I'm talking about as we get into this section more clearly, that uh, God never forces his children to suffer on his behalf. He gives them the choice. They then make the decision as to whether they will uh, incur the suffering of the Lord or not. And so... We will also look in the scripture, uh, in the section that we're going to be going through, um, at our Lord Jesus Christ, because what we will see basically from uh, the scriptural accounts is that the church is called primarily to incur the suffering that our Lord Jesus Christ incurred when he walked on the earth. I'm not talking about when he went to the cross, I'm talking about his life that he um Uh, left as an example to us when he walked on the earth. And so the type of suffering that our Lord incurred throughout his life is the kind of suffering that the church is called to incur as well. Um, And then we will also see that um, there is also the principle that there is a substitutionary sacrifice that our Lord Jesus made for us on the cross And it is in those areas that the Church is not called to suffer. But nevertheless, even though um, our Lord did die on the cross for us, it is uh, mandatory in certain areas of the Church that the Lord has called certain of His saints to suffer martyrdom. Um, And we already mentioned that, that where the saint is born into the earth, um, in whatever nation that they've become a Christian, quite often those nations are very hostile to the Gospel. And so those Christians, once they come into the kingdom, are very uh, quickly martyred for our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the scripture we want to open up with today, to just um, put into perspective the the kind of suffering that the church is in fact called to suffer in this life, um, is in Acts chapter 26, beginning at verse 14 and verse 15. Scripture says, and when we had all fallen to the ground... I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goat. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And so we see that our Lord Jesus Christ reveals to us the kind of suffering that the church uh, should be incurring in the earth today. For he talks about the persecution that Saul was... Um, bringing it against the, the church at the time. Now what Saul was doing is that he was um, imprisoning the saints, he was beating the saints, and he was actually martyring the saints. He was killing them. And so when he did that, our Lord didn't say to Saul, what are you doing to my church? Our Lord said, what are you doing to me? Why are you persecuting me? And so very clearly When the body of Christ in the earth is being persecuted is in fact the head of of the church, the the head of the body, who also is being persecuted at the same time. And so that's the type of suffering that our Lord kind of uh, indicates to us that we as believers should be incurring in this life. Let's pick up another passage of Scripture 1 and Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. The Apostle Paul now writing, now he's come into the kingdom, and he says... I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. So the Apostle Paul makes a a kind of strange statement here. He says he fills up in his flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. So what the Apostle Paul is saying is that there's certain aspects of our Lord's suffering, that never ended when He went to the cross. You know, when our Lord went to the cross, He said, it is finished. And He had then accomplished the salvation of mankind. But nevertheless, the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ never ended at the cross. It continues unabated even today. And so there, there is this area of suffering that our Lord Jesus Christ continues to experience through his body in the earth today you say well i thought everything was accomplished on the cross um certain aspects the redemption of mankind was accomplished on the cross but the suffering of christ did not end at the cross the suffering of christ continues in the church today saul saul why are you persecuting me and so our lord jesus christ clearly uh, endures the suffering that the church undergoes today. So, you know, the church is appointed to suffering. We've seen that very clearly. Um, and so the Lord's suffering did not end at the cross. It continues, and it will continue until our Lord Jesus Christ does return to the earth. And so that's why the Apostle Paul can make the statement that he made. He said, in that I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, um, and so it, all of that, it, there's not just the Apostle Paul that was called to that type of suffering. It is for the whole church. All of us are to fill up in our flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. And so we do need to realize that, um, again, as we've, said in, 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 we've seen in Scripture so far, that it is appointed to us as believers. We saw that in Philippians 1.29. Not only to believe in Christ, But also to suffer for his name's sake. And so it is definitely a case of the church continues to suffer, and our Lord Jesus Christ, through his church, continues to suffer in the earth today. And so we just need to have a clear understanding of the type of suffering that the church is continued to call called by the Lord to incur in the earth today. And so we look at our Lord Jesus Christ as the ultimate example in everything. We must always look at the Lord Jesus Christ as our ultimate example. And in the area of suffering, it's no different. We will always look at our Lord Jesus to see, Lord, what example have you left to us, your church, that we should follow in this area of suffering? And so we need to be looking at that. And we pick up the scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. The scripture says, For to you the... For... Sorry. For to this you were called, talking about suffering in context if you read it, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. And so our Lord Jesus left us an example of the type of suffering that we as believers are to incur in this life. And so we will always look at our Lord Jesus Christ um, to see, okay, Lord, can you... Reveal to us the kind of suffering that you endured and thus that's the example we are to follow in this life We are to uh, experience the same type of suffering that you experienced And so we can expand on that in 1 Peter 2 verse 18 to 23 Um, The Apostle Peter writing, he says, servants Be submissive to your masters with all fear Not only to the good and gentle but also to the harsh For this is commendable if, because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And so, the, the, the example that our Lord has left us is in the way we um, respond to the, our suffering. And so he differentiates in this passage straight away. He says, you know, we're not to suffer our, or doing wrong. He says, because what, what credit is, is it to you as a believer if you, uh, you know, suffer for your faults and you take that patiently? There's no there's no credit there. He says, but if you do good and you suffer for that and you take that suffering patiently, well, he says that's commendable, commendable before God. And so that's what happened to our Lord Jesus Christ. Um... You know, the people that He came to save were the ones that hated Him, who reviled Him, uh, who who crucified Him. And so when our Lord was reviled by those people whom He came to save, um, our Lord didn't threaten them. He didn't revile in return. He took it patiently and He trusted in Him who judges righteously, speaking about God our Father. And so uh, we do, and uh, you know, scripture does say to us in Romans twelve nineteen that vengeance belongs to the Lord. And so we do not take revenge on those who inflict suffering upon us wrongfully. We take it patiently and we trust in God because God is the one who judges righteously. Think about uh, the apostle Paul as an example. Now he persecuted the church. Dramatically, I mean, he really did went all out when he was still Saul to try and destroy the Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ, to the point where he 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 martyred a number of the Lord's saints. Now, had in the natural, what the the worldly response would that would be to an individual like that is we need to deal with this person, we need to get rid of this person because this person is creating havoc in our organization. But the church is not to respond like that, and so the church should respond in um, forgiveness and praying for that individual, and that's exactly what happened. And as a result, Saul became Paul, one of the Lord's greatest um, proponents of His gospel. And so that is the kind of um, way that the church—that's the, the kind—the of, kind of example that is left to us. That Paul actually says it that God in him, in his testimony, shows us the example of just what he can do in a life, that he can turn a life around dramatically. And so that's why our Lord says, "You know, vengeance is mine and the Lord judges righteously. And so, you know, had the Lord taken vengeance on Saul, well, then we wouldn't have had Paul. But God judges righteously. And so God knew what he could do with Saul and make him into a Paul. And so that's why the church is not to... Proclaim judgment. The church is to take whatever suffering comes her way for doing good. Uh, That's the way we need to differentiate the kind of suffering that the Christian incurs. We're to trust in our God who judges righteously. Vengeance belongs to Him ultimately. And so those whom He deems He will um, pronounce His vengeance on, well then that's God's domain and that's what He does. But it can be that God wants to take the person who is causing suffering in the, in the life of the believer and he wants to ch- t- change that person from being a Saul to becoming a Paul. So we need to be guarded along this line that we are to follow after the example given to us of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at another passage of scripture where again uh, the Bible just teaches us, the Holy Spirit uh, through the passage teaches us to follow after the example of our Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 4. The scripture says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, lie aside, lay, aside, <laughs> lie aside. Let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that he set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him, who endured such hostility of sinners from sinners against Himself, lest you also become weary, discouraged in yourselves, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin." And so we see from this passage of Scripture that our Lord Jesus Christ endured uh, hostility of sinners against himself. And you know, throughout the Gospel accounts, we can see that you know, he, our Lord really did incur a lot of hostility from a lot of quarters in the Jewish um, nation. He was not accepted by many in that nation. In fact, the majority did not accept the Lord. Uh, you will recall that when he rose from the dead, there were 500 that uh, went to the Mount of Galilee, in Galilee, where our Lord appeared to them. And so that seems to have been the the total number of his disciples that he was able to um, bring to himself during his earthly ministry. It's not a lot of uh, Jews in that whole nation. And so he did experience tremendous hostility from the Jewish nation when he was on the earth. So much so that quite often he had to actually withdraw from Judea because they were plotting to kill him. And he had to you know, walk out uh, in, in areas where he would be outside of their sphere of influence. And so that's the kind of hostility that our Lord endured. And that's the kind of hostility that the Christian can expect to encounter in certain quarters of society today. And so we must not be surprised when that does happen to us. Recall we said... Our Lord said to us, if they hated me, they will also hate you. And so that's the kind of um, example that our Lord Jesus Christ is uh, is setting before us in that he endured the cross despising the shame. And so we too endure the hostility that is pronounced upon our lives. If, as I say, God brings that kind of Uh, persecution into our lives and we'll get through it we'll see that it is when when that type of persecution arises it is purely up to the saint as to whether they're going to endure it or whether they're going to withdraw from it Um, for God does not force this type of persecution upon his saints Um, but there are those in the body of Christ who will incur um, persecution to the point of you know not only just hostility of of, uh, sinners against us But there are going to be those who will be physically abused, who will be beaten up for being Christians. And then there are those who will, in fact, incur martyrdom for our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of just painting a picture for us of the type of suffering that the Christian is called to endure in this life. Um, All of it, as I say, we look at our Lord's life when he was on the earth, walking on the earth, not when he goes to the cross now, prior to that. Prior to that, our Lord endured open hostility from sinners against Himself all the time. And so as believers, that's the type of suffering, that's the most common type of suffering that Christians should uh, encounter in this life. We should suffer for doing good. And so when we are living godly lives in Christ, well then, there are going to be people in the world that will, will not be appreciative of that, and they will be openly hostile towards the believer for for living that type of lifestyle. And so that's the most common type of uh, suffering that our Lord incurred. But then our Lord did incur when he went to the cross. Um, Because prior to our Lord going to the cross, although they wanted to kill him, they tried to stone him, they tried to throw him over the cliff, his time had not yet come. And so they couldn't do that to him. But when our Lord's time did come, they did crucify him. They did beat him. They did uh, scourge him, they did spit at him, Uh, they beat him with their hands. You know, they really did have as much of a go as possible at our Lord. And so there is that type of suffering that the Lord incurred at the very end of his ministry. Now, as I said, during the majority of our Lord's life, he incurred the hostility of sinners against himself. More so as he went into his ministry, uh, uh, because even when he was living in the, the town of Nazareth as a carpenter, He didn't incur that much hostility. There were, believe you me, there were people that did not like our Lord Jesus because of his godly lifestyle. But he didn't incur open hostility from that point of view. It's when he went into ministry that the hostility increased. Then when he went to the cross, the hostility increased even more in that they beat him, they spat on him, they scourged him, and then they finally killed him. And so we can see kind of a progressive uh, stages of um, suffering that our Lord incurred through his life up until the end of his life. And that's the kind of suffering, because again, we're looking in this section today um, and most probably in the next teaching as well. We're looking at the example given to us of our Lord Jesus. And so we did mention that even in, when our Lord was a youth, he says that he suffered um, hostility. And so growing up, Because our Lord lived a a godly lifestyle, there were people in the town of Nazareth that just didn't like Jesus. Even though he was not preaching the gospel, uh, he was a carpenter, everybody knew him as a carpenter, he did a good job, he he lived lived a good life. There were people that were not appreciative of that and so excluded the Lord uh, from their circle. They wouldn't have anything to do with him. But as I said, when he then went into ministry, his persecution from the Jews increased because now he was taking a stand for the gospel and so now a greater degree of persecution were brought to bear on his life then as he each time came then they were able to uh, beat him and spit on him and you know really scourge him and then finally they were able to kill him and so Majority of Christians should experience hostility from some quarters in their, in wherever they dwell, because of their godly lifestyle. The more um, the Christian becomes exposed to standing for the Lord Jesus, the more hostility they can expect. And so, ministers of the gospel, by and large, should incur more persecution than the, the the saints, by and large, because they are more of a threat to the kingdom of darkness than the saint who's living a normal Christian life. And then it gets to the point where you're going to get Christians that are going to be beaten for their their belief in Christ. They will be spat on. They will be physically beaten. And then there will be those who will be martyred for our Lord Jesus. And so you can see the progression in our Lord's life and also the progression that uh, the Christians can experience So some will experience less persecution than others. Some will experience martyrdom. It's different levels of persecution for their same walk of faith. And that's what we need to kind of be discerning about. Our Lord left us. His life was the ultimate example. And so we can look at our lives as a comparative to our Lord, and we can see where we stand. Uh, The kind of suffering we're incurring, our Lord, okay, you incurred it at that stage in your life, And so I'm incurring that kind of suffering. Just a a kind of a gauge for us to have a look at. Let's have a look at another passage of Scripture. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12 to 14. Scripture says, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continual city, but we seek the one to come. And so what this passage of Scripture tells us to do is that we are to go forth to our Lord Jesus Christ outside the camp, bearing his reproach, because that's where our Lord Jesus Christ suffered. He suffered outside of the gate. And so we need to have a look at, okay, Lord, what suffering did you incur outside of the gate that we are also called to be partakers of? because not all of the Lord's suffering that he incurred can the Christian partake of, and we need to be discerning in that area. Now, under the Old Covenant, there were always types and shadows of that which was taking place under the new, by and large, talking about our Lord Jesus Christ, because our Lord said, you know, the, the law and the prophets were written as a witness of me. And so, whenever we look at the Old Testament, we must always look at our Lord Jesus, because he is, that the Old Testament is pointing us to Jesus all the time. And so, when we see certain uh, sacrifices taking place under the Old Covenant and what the law said about that, well, it kind of points us to Jesus, what he incurred. And that then gives us an indication of what we can and should incur as Christians and what we can't partake of. And so, one of the, the examples of the under the Old Covenant is that when Israel made had an offering for sin it's in Exodus 29:14 uh, they had to burn the carcass of the animal outside the camp okay that offering of for sin could not be uh, made on the altar the fat was burnt on the altar but the carcass had to be burnt outside of the camp and we, we're looking at Hebrews says to us um, Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. And so the sin offering um, under the old covenant was always burnt outside of the camp. That is pointing to our Lord Jesus Christ. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says he was made to be sin for us. And so our Lord Jesus Christ suffered for our sins outside of the gate of Jerusalem. He hung on the cross outside of the camp. And so that's one of the types. The other type is that when under the Old Covenant one was cursed uh, for being a transgressor, well then they had to be taken outside of the camp and be stoned to death. And that's in Leviticus 24.14. Now Jesus became a curse for us. And so he suffered for us outside of the camp galatians 3:13. the bible teaches us that jesus was made to be a curse for us and then also for um, sickness and illness the scripture tells us that if anyone became unclean because of uh, any kind of leprosy or any kind of uh, discharge or sickness they had to be taken outside of the camp until they were cleansed and that's in leviticus chapter 13 verse 46 um, and so they were banished from the camp until they and they had to remain there until such a time as they were cleansed. In the same manner, our Lord Jesus Christ took upon himself our sicknesses and our diseases. And so he also then suffered outside of the game. We pick that up in Matthew 18, sorry, verse 17. He suffered for our sicknesses and our diseases. And so in these three areas, sin, the curse, and sickness, we cannot partake of that suffering because that our Lord Jesus Christ suffered on our behalf. For Christ bore the sin of the world. We don't bear the sin of the world. Christ bore the sicknesses and the disease of the world. We do not bear the sicknesses and the diseases of this world. I'm talking on behalf of other people because now this is the kind of suffering that Christ suffered for us. And so there's two kinds of sufferings that our Lord went through. He went through suffering for us and he went through suffering as an example for us so he, when he they, it kind of sounds the same thing but the suffering that i Lord suffered for us he suffered as our substitution as our sacrifice and then he also suffered um, for us from the point of view of showing us an example this is how you are meant to suffer and so when it comes to suffering for sin The Christian is not called to suffer for sin on behalf of others, even for themselves. We're not called to suffer for sin, but Christ was made to be sin for us. So he suffered uh, the sin for us, that we might partake of his righteousness. And So the Christian is not called to suffer for sin. Uh, I trust you understand the the concept. We're not called to take upon ourselves the sin of the world, Christ did. We're not called to take upon ourselves the sicknesses of this life. Christ did. We're not called to take upon ourselves the curse of the world. Christ did. And so in those three areas, Christ suffered for us as a substitutionary sacrifice, not as an example. And this is where we need to learn to differentiate. We are to follow after Christ's example of suffering. And so we cannot, we can't go to the cross and take upon ourselves the sin of the world. We cannot take upon ourselves the sicknesses of the world. We cannot take upon ourselves the curse of the world on their behalf. Christ has done that, and he's done that on our behalf as well, obviously. But we are meant to take upon ourselves the suffering that our Lord Jesus Christ incurred as an example for us. And so we get back to that passage of Scripture, because the passage says to us in Hebrews, let's read it again, he says, Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. And so, very clearly, the Holy Spirit is saying to us, guys, the the Lord Jesus suffered outside the camp. And he tells us we're to go forth to him, Outside the camp, also to incur his suffering. Now, if I can't incur the suffering of my Lord Jesus in that I can't, Lord, I can't take upon myself the sin of the world. I can't take upon myself the sickness of the world. I can't take upon myself the curse of the world because you've done all of that for the world, including me. So what suffering am I to now incur that you incurred outside of the camp? Well, the the, the key to uh, that passage is in the second part of verse 13. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside of the camp, bearing his reproach. And so that is the the key phrase that we need to be focusing on. When we suffer for our Lord Jesus Christ outside of the camp, we are to bear his reproach. And so again, that takes us back to, remember our Lord said, uh, the scripture says that he suffered hostility of sinners against himself he was reproached by sinners he was reproached by you know even those who, who some of some of his followers uh, reproached our lord jesus and so that's the kind of suffering that the christian is meant to undergo in this life We are to suffer bearing his reproach. So we've seen under the old covenant, you know, the types and shadows of our Lord's suffering. We saw that the the carcass of the sin offering had to be burned outside of the camp. We saw that one who cursed and who was a curse who was cursed, sorry, for transgression had to be taken outside of the camp and stoned. We saw that one who became leprous for our sake had to be taken outside of the camp until they were cleansed. And so that, we saw, was a type and shadow of our suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what about this suffering where we had to go outside of the camp to our Lord, bearing His reproach? Where did we see that? Under the Old Covenant. Well, we pick it up in Numbers, chapter 12, verse 13 to 15. The Scripture says, So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterward she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. And so what had happened in this context of this passage is that Miriam and Aaron had kind of rebelled against Moses. They had started to complain against Moses, primarily because Moses had married an Ethiopian woman. And But they also were saying, wait a minute, we're also prophets of God. God also speaks through us. So who is this Moses? And it seems to be, all right, so it seems to be that Miriam was the main instigator in this kind of, Mini rebellion against Moses by his, his siblings because Aaron and Miriam were his older brother and sister, and so when God hears that, and so God what God does is He summons all three of them to the tabernacle. Now, when He does, He judges Miriam. Uh, well, he he, you know, he he rebukes both Aaron and Miriam for speaking against His servant Moses. But as I say, it seems that Miriam was the main instigator in this mini rebellion, and so God judges Miriam. When he does that, she breaks out in leprosy. And so, you know, Moses then calls out to God, Lord, won't you please heal her? And so God says to uh, Moses, okay, and from this passage, let's go back and read it again. And the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days. And afterwards she may be received again. And so what uh, occurred under that old covenant is that if the father had spit into the the face face of his daughter, she became shamed. And she had to, as her punishment, she had to go out of the camp for seven days. And so that's what happened in this case. Miriam was shamed, and she was, obviously was healed because God heard uh, Moses' prayer and he healed her. But nevertheless, the Lord still banished her from the camp for seven days because he um, she had been shamed. And so that's exactly what happened with our Lord. If you recall, they spat in his face. And so our Lord was shamed and he had to then be taken out of the camp. And he had to suffer reproach outside of the camp. And so that's the kind of suffering that the Christian is called to suffer outside of the camp. We are to go forth to our Lord outside of the camp bearing his reproach. What is his reproach? We're to suffer as Christians were to suffer for the godly lifestyle. Christ suffered for being who He was, the the spotless Lamb of God. And so that's the type of suffering that we as believers are to um, follow after, the example that we're to follow after through the example given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's um, pretty much as far as I want to go forth uh, in the teaching today. We want to carry on uh, elaborating on this point of suffering as Christians because it's so important for us because there are a lot of people that think you know, when they get sick, well, they're suffering for the Lord um, when they fall into sin, well, you know and they then uh weird things because of their sinful lifestyles well, now they're suffering for the Lord um, and, you know, if, if things go wrong in a person's life well, now they're suffering for the Lord but, you know again we've seen very clearly that there are those three areas that christ suffered as our substitutionary sacrifice and we cannot partake of that now we can we can choose to suffer in those areas but we can't suffer on behalf of other people because of that um and so we need to be discerning in this area it, because it does get a bit confusing for some christians they seem to think that you know whatever goes wrong in their lives well i'm suffering for the lord Well, that's not exactly correct. We should be suffering um, for our godly lifestyles, just as Jesus Christ suffered. So he suffered for his godly lifestyle. And so, again, we look at our Lord Jesus' life. Never once did he suffer sickness. Um, Never once did he suffer any kind of things going wrong in his life. There was no curse upon his life. And uh, never once did he suffer for sin in his life. Because throughout his life, he never sinned, he never got sick, and nothing went wrong. It's All all of that occurred when he became our substitution on the cross. That's when he took upon himself our sin, our sickness, our curse. But through his life, none of that. And so as Christians, that's where we need to learn to differentiate. We are to look at our, our Lord And follow that example. So we don't follow his example of taking upon ourselves the sin of the world, the sickness of the world, and the curse of the world. We can't do that. He's done that for us. But we can do the rest. So that's where we need to be discerning. We're going to end the teaching on that one.